Hi Lifehouse Church, Seb here and welcome to our online service. We're currently in our series called Origins, which is focusing on the book of Genesis. So strap yourselves in, get your writing utensils ready because we're about to head to the message. Thank you, Pastor May. How are we going this morning, Lifehouse? Are we good? Are we ready? Amazing, amazing. All right, well, hey, um, this, this morning... This morning, we're going to be getting to the Word of God. Who's excited to get into the Bible? Are we excited to get into the Bible? I hope so. I really hope in the Word of God that it is, as Paul says in 2 Timothy, that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, uh, rebuking, and teaching in righteousness. And so we want to get into the Word of God because that is how our lives are going to be changed and how God speaks to us and how we become more like Him. And so we are, um, we're going to get into um, a guy called Jacob, Jacob. Um, but as well, beforehand, I just as well want to say, I forgot to do this straight away, but like, I just really want to honor um, Pastor Josh and Belle. Can we just honor them? We have the best lead pastors. We seriously have the best lead, lead pastors in, in the entire world. And so we just want to just say like, we are praying for you as you go over to your trip to Cambodia to be with the school and to be with that community and as you're pouring your heart and your love out for them and just really helping them to understand how much God loves them. We're just praying for you that you're going to be protected, that there's going to be so much favor and just some amazing, miraculous moments that, uh, that happen over there. And um, yeah, we're just praying for you. We love you guys. And so yeah, all the best for your trip. Um, but yeah, we love you so much. So can we just honor Pastor Josh and Belle, our lead pastors here at Lifehouse. And um, yeah, so, so this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, a guy in the Bible. His name is Jacob. Funny enough, my name is Jacob. There's no coincidence there at all. But we're going to be looking at this guy called Jacob. And, um, and so this is in Genesis 32. Um, if you have your own Bibles or if you've got your phones or if you want to read it on the screen, it's going to be up on the screen behind me and you can read along. So it is Genesis 32, and we're going to be reading to start with verses 22 and 27. So that is... Genesis 32, verses 22 to 27. And it says this, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his eleven sons, and crossed the Yabok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket, Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is my favorite verse, verse 27. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Why don't we pray? We just thank you, God, that your presence is here with us this morning. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask that no matter what it is on our minds, no matter it is in our hearts, God, we just open our hearts to you this morning, Jesus. Speak to us. Remind us of your love and show us a new light of your love this morning, Jesus. Our hearts are open to you. We're ready to hear and receive from you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. So wrestling, hey, I have a problem with the WWE. I've always kind of had a problem with the WWE. I mean, why is, just just so I know who I'm kind of like debating against, is there anyone here who likes the WWE? A couple, Michaela and Alicia, come on. Okay, so I, I've kind of always had a bit of a problem. Like, why watch a sport that is like fake 
and just like set up. Like you already know who's like going to win. And everything is just like fake. Like even, even growing up, like I was never allowed to watch wrestling in my household where, with my parents and especially my dad. We were never allowed to watch the WWE or wrestling. Not because of the violence, which you may think it would be because... But it's actually because, like, my dad was a PE teacher. And so in our household, we only watch real sport. WWE wasn't included. That is fake. That is fake, right? Soccer or footy, AFL, 100%. Soccer, rugby, they are all the sports that we love. WWE was definitely not one, one of those things. But even just in general, like, wrestling in general or any kind of, like, physical combat, I was, like, never really into. I mean, like, WWE wasn't really into that. Arm wrestling, never wanted to be a part of that. Like, sock wrestling, kind of, like, that was probably the best one, but I still wasn't really all into that, and it had, especially being a teenager, you may look at me and think, like, well, he's probably not that strong, you should have seen back then, and it had nothing to do with the fact that I was just basically a a broomstick with skin and bones, but it, it wasn't to do with that, it was just because I just felt like I didn't have to prove anything, I really felt like I didn't have to prove anything, people could just take one look at me, and they're like, done, proven. So wrestling or any kind of like physical kind of side of things, I was never really into like growing up. But over the past few years, I've gotten a bit stronger. I've gotten a bit more confident in my body and stuff like that. That has started to change, especially in the last two weeks, right? Especially in the past couple of weeks. So two weeks ago, I stroll into church around 12 o'clock. Typical Monday thing. I have work in the, early in the morning. I go home, get ready for the day. I come to church around midday for a, for a meeting at church. Typical Monday morning. But I walk inside the front doors and I hear all this commotion going on in the kitchen. And I'm just like, okay, what is going on? So I go to have a little sus. And uh, in, in, I get into the kitchen and I see Brock jumping up and down like this, going, ha you're going to die, bro. I'm going to make sure that this happens. And I'm like, okay, what the heck? Seb is on the other side of the counter, our kid's pastor, who's doing an amazing job out in Life Kids. But he's standing on the other side of the counter. I don't even know how to describe like the expression, but he kind of looks like all emotion is like drained from his body. And knowing Seb, like that is a rare thing. And so he, he kind of looks like just like whatever, like what the heck? But Brock... Brock is just kind of like going off. He's like super excited. And so I'm like, well, what, what is happening? And so then Brock is explained to me and he's, and he's like, well, remember all those years ago, like how we used to wrestle and Seb would pin me like every, every single time. Speak of Pastor Seb, there he is. Um, coming into sus, I told him I was sharing this morning. I actually asked if it was okay. And he was like, yeah, go for it. We used to wrestle, he snuck in. And so, and so Brock... Brock is like, well, yeah, remember how we used to wrestle all the time growing up when I was like a teenager? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, I, I, I challenge, and I got beat every time. And he's like, well, I challenged like Seb again to a, like a wrestle. I was like, hey, bro, like, you know, obviously I'm a bit stronger, I'm a bit bigger now, like we're saying, like more, a bit more on a, on a match. Uh, why don't you wrestle me again? And Seb's just saying like, no way. Like, there, there's no way I'm wrestling you. Like, I'm not going to beat you. You're going to pin me. Like, there is no way I'm going to wrestle you. And he could have left it at that. Right? Remember, I wasn't in the room at this stage. He could have left it at that, but no, he, <laughs> Brock's already like crying. <laughs> like, but he could have left it at that, but he didn't. He had to add a few more words, one more sentence. And that was, I have a better chance of beating Jacob than I do beating you. And as soon as Brock says that, I'm like, you are going to regret that you ever said those words, that those words came out of your mouth, boy. So I'm like, all right, bet, do it. Like, all right, all right, you called it, prove it. 
I, I, I'm happy to do this. Like, do it. And so this gets Brock even more excited now. So he starts like messaging people like this thing is happening. He makes like a promotional flyer. Do we have that? Yeah, so he, he's made... <laughs> He's made like a promotional fly. How good is that? The World Flyway, like, what is that championship? He starts making like a promotional fly. Like other people are chipping in now. I remember Michaela was like making up betting odds for people to buy who they put their money on. And so like it's getting like, it's blowing up to like this big thing, like within like a, our kind of like um, a few of us. And so like Seb's now going like, this is getting way out of hand. I'm like, no, you called this. You got to prove it now. And so sadly, it hasn't happened yet. Um, but I, I'm, and I know he's out there, but if you're watching this later online, Seb, uh, anytime, any place, bro, I'm more than, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to this. I'm actually really looking forward to this. Um, and so it became this thing, right? Uh, it, there he is. Get back out the kids, bro. We're not doing this right now. I mean, again, I'm happy to do it right now. Come at me. Um, and sadly, it hasn't happened yet, but, uh, you know, it became a thing. Didn't need to become a thing, but it became a thing, right? Mainly because there's two guys who, you know, built up with testosterone wanting to prove that they are physically dominant over the other person. And, um, I mean, that's generally why people wrestle in the first place. Hey, it's typically because... You know, they want to see who's the strongest. They want to see who's the physically dominant over the other person because no one just like walks up to another person, another guy in the middle of the night and just starts like wrestling them. Like that never happens. Like I know we are in Murray Bridge. I know there's some odd things that happen here, but like really, typically, most of the time, that just doesn't happen. And so we, we read this story in, in Jacob and, uh, you know, we, we can wonder, how, how did this happen? Why did this WWE wrestling match at midnight back like four or 5,000 years ago happen in the first place? Because there is an entire backstory um, as to why this happened, how this happened, but also like why it is actually important, significant, and how it's relevant for us today. And so uh, in order to understand a bit of what's happening in the, in the scene and in the scripture that we just read, we need to rewind a little bit and uh, understand the life of Jacob a bit. So could you just put your hands up if you've like heard of the story of Jacob or know at least Jacob's name? Or oh, I said Jacob's name, so it should hopefully be everyone. That's a good start. Okay, cool. All right. So, so this is kind of like the, the life of Jacob. So basically, and I'm going to do this as fast as I can. So if you get lost, I'm not. This is a one-way flight. Like I'm not, de- there's no detours, there's no stopovers. Um, so Jacob was a twin. He was a younger twin. Um, his, his older brother's name was Esau, and so Jacob's name was, he loved hunting. He was basically Pastor Mark. And then Jacob, Jacob on the other hand, was a mama's boy. He, he, he had a quieter temperament. He loved staying at home. He loved the indoors. He loved doing everything and blah, blah, blah. And so he, he, he was a mama's boy. And so growing up, um, their, their father Isaac loved Esau more, but their mother Rebecca loved Jacob more. So one day, years go on, one day, Esau comes back from a long hunting trip and he's famished. He's like feeling like he's about to die from hunger. And so he sees Jacob in the kitchen, like whipping up like a storm, cooking up a storm. And he's like, man, I got to get some of that in me. So he asks Jacob like, hey, give me some food. I'm about to die. But Jacob says, only if you sell me your birthright, your right as firstborn son, will I give it to you? And he's like, hey, I'm about to die. What good is that? You got a deal. So Jacob's like, awesome. All right. So he then like takes, he trades his 
um, right as firstborn son for a bowl of lentil stew. Years go on, their father Isaac now is an old man and becoming very blind. And so he says to Esau, go out hunting, make my favorite dish, and I'm going to bless you as my firstborn son. So Esau bolts off into the bush to go hunting. But their mother, Rebecca, is listening in the background in the conversation and hears everything. So she goes up to Jacob and says, do everything that I tell you to do. So next thing you know, he's wearing his brother's clothes like a true younger sibling. He kills some goats. He puts the hairy skin on his baby bottom smooth arms, gets a bowl of his like dad's favorite food, walks into his room and says, it is me, your eldest son Esau, or maybe like, it is me, you're, you know, in a deep voice. And so that essentially works. I don't know how, but it does. So he tricks his dad. His dad blesses him, and then he walks out. Whereas Esau then comes back from his hunting trip, goes in and, like, cooks up this meal, walks into his dad's room and says, all right, old man, lay those old wrinkly hands on me and bless me. I'm ready. I'm excited. But his dad's like, who are you? I've already blessed someone. And so Esau then, they both realize at that moment that uh, Jacob has stolen the blessing and deceived them and stolen the blessing of Esau from their father. So Esau is mad, like he is so mad, right? And then Jacob, so he plans to kill Jacob as soon as their father dies. And so Jacob has a freak out moment. He's like, ah! And so he runs away to his mother's hometown um, on advice of his mother. So he runs away, escapes to his mother's hometown. On the way there, he has like a, he sleeps, he has this dream where there's like a stairway between heaven and earth. Angels walking up and down. He wakes up and goes like, man, that would make an amazing song one day continues on and then goes on and arrives at Padan Aram, right? So he arrives at his, his mother's hometown called Padan Aram, where he lives with and stays with his uncle, Laban, right? How are we doing? We keeping up. We keeping up. Amazing. So he arrives at his mother's hometown, Padan Aram, where he lives with his uncle, Laban. And uh, basically on the first day, he falls in love with this girl named Rachel. Turns out it is actually his cousin, but he falls in love with his cousin, Rachel, right? The Bible says that she's got them pretty sparkly eyes and them curves. And so he goes up to his uncle and says, I will I'll work for you for seven years in exchange for your daughter's hand in marriage. His uncle goes, yep, like sounds good. So he works seven years, but for him, they just seem like a blink of an eye because he loves her so much. So it gets to the end of the seven years. They have a big wedding celebration. Uh, you know, Jacob goes into where they're spending the night. Laban sends his daughter in. You know, they have their 30 seconds of fun, but then they wake up in the morning and then he realizes, he realizes that he got tricked by his uncle because he wakes up next to the old ugly sister, Leah. Bible's words, not mine, okay? You can read that for yourself. And so he, he, he's, like, Jacob is mad because, like, his uncle tricked him, but, you know, obviously he kind of deserved it, but he tricked him. He's mad, but his uncle says, well, if you actually work for me for another seven years, you can have, like, you can marry Rachel at the end of the wedding celebration, which is a week. So Jacob's still mad, but he's like, fine, I'll do it. I love her so much. Works another seven years and, um, and then marries Rachel. So next thing you know, he has got two wives who are sisters. So you can imagine the tension and the drama that's going on in his home life, right? And so anyway, time, a bit of time goes on. Leah, the unloved wife, starts um, having more children because Rachel can't conceive. And so Rachel's getting super jealous. So she's like, hey, have my maid, um, Bilhah. You can sleep with her and have children uh, for me through her. And now here's the thing, funny thing. Little, little pause moment. Jacob's grandparents had done the exact same thing and nothing good happened for them. But he mustn't have been thinking with this head because he does it. He marries her, sleeps with her, gets her pregnant. And then suddenly, like, he, he, she's having babies, like, for him. 
And then Leah sees this, right? Leah sees this and goes, well, I want more children through my name. So she says, hey, take my maid um, Zilpah and sleep with her, marry her, like have children for her, like through me. So next thing you know, my boy's got four wives, two of them sisters, and the other two are maids of these sisters, right? And so the real housewives of Padamaram are like fighting and like trying to win Jacob's favor by having as many children as they can. And so they they keep on doing this. Meanwhile, so that's his home life. Meanwhile, in his work life, working for his uncle, Laban, he's like starting to get a bit of wealth. He's starting to gain a bit of like possessions for himself. But his uncle tries to cheat him by stealing his flocks and taking them out into the desert. But then, you know, like Jacob sees this, he's a bit mad, but he plays a reverse Uno card and starts taking his like uncle's flocks. And like he's starting to get really wealthy. But because his wealth is growing so much, his uncle is really jealous now and he wants to kill him. Like, and Jacob's so, he, Jacob's fearing for his life again. He's like, oh my goodness, my uncle's going to kill me. So he takes up his Brady Bunch and heads back towards his hometown after God told him to do that. So he, he's traveling along the way, but then seven days later, one week later, his uncle realizes that like he has escaped and that he has left home. So he's like, chases after him. He catches up to him. Jacob's like freaking out again, thinking, oh my goodness, he's going to kill me and my entire family. But then they work out their differences. They have a tea party to celebrate. They hug, they cry, they say good, they're their goodbyes and Jacob heads back towards his hometown. But there's one major thing that is still freaking Jacob out. And that is the fact that he has to face his brother that he hasn't seen for the first time in 20 years. Remember Esau, the brother who tried to kill him the last time they were together. So Jacob is like having a freak out moment on the way back home where his parents are and to meet his brother. But then like one night God sends all these angels and he's like, oh my goodness, God's here with me. But then he like wakes up, forgets all of that happened and goes back to freaking out. So he takes matters into his own hands and says, all right, I'm going to send a bunch of gifts to my brother um, so that he to try and pacify his anchor. So, not anchor, anger. So he, he sends, uh, he gets a bunch of sheep, goats, cattle, like servants and sends them on his way to meet ahead of him, to meet his brother Esau. And this is where we pick up our story. Are we good? Does that kind of, does that kind of help? Anyone miss anything? Anyone need me to go over something again? Because I'm definitely not. No way am I doing that. My throat is feeling quite dry now. So that is the life of Jacob. Right, so that is the life of Jacob in the summarized version. Obviously, please read all that yourself. Don't take everything I said word for word. That was just a very big paraphrase. Um, but yeah, right, so, so it's Eve of Jacob meeting his brother again. Eve of Jacob meeting his brother for the first time in 20 years. And he is scared, right? He is scared because he hurt his brother badly. The last time they were together, he hurt his brother quite badly, right? And I get it. I do understand because I'm an older brother of four. I understand that your siblings do some things sometimes that make them, that make you kind of feeling upset. Like one time my uncle gave my sister a Mars bar. He broke it in half and said, take the other half to Jacob, okay? She's like nodding, uh-huh. And then so she eats hers, runs over to me, goes to hand me my half, but then takes her arm back shoves it in her face, eats it in front of me, and then runs off. I was not happy, right? Siblings, man, younger siblings, they just sometimes do things to you, but we love them. And, you know, my dad always said with us siblings, like whenever we were starting to push each other's boundaries, someone's about to get hurt and it ain't going to be me, right? And Jacob is freaking out and having a big panic, panic attack because he hurt his brother badly. He hurt his brother badly. It wasn't a Mars bar, though. Ain't no Mars bar. It was like the most important thing in the culture of that time to the firstborn son. And that was the blessing that you get from your father for being the firstborn son. 
right? And so Jacob is terrified, and you can imagine what he's feeling, the emotions that are going on within him, like as he prepares to see his brother for the first time, is he going to kill me? Does he, does he still hate me? Is, is he going to harm my family? I really hope that he forgives me. And so it's, he's on edge because it's the night before and he's close enough to his brother and he's fearing that his brother Esau is going to attack him in the middle of the night. And so we read from verse 22, just to re-familiarize ourselves. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives and his 11 sons and crossed the Yabok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions, right? So he's sending all of his family and his possessions over this river just to keep them safe because he's afraid that his brother is going to attack him in the middle of the night. So then Jacob comes back across the river to the camp where they're staying by himself. And then in verse 24, it says, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. And so I think it's like a, a pretty, pretty like safe thing to assume that when this man at like, you know, in the middle of the night, no electricity, obviously there's no lights, everything's dark. And then suddenly there is, he's afraid that his brother's going to attack him. And suddenly a man starts grabbing him and wrestling him. I'm pretty sure that Jacob was thinking that, okay, this is Esau. This is my brother. My dream, like not my dreams, my fears have come true. And he's, gonna, he's starting to attack me. But as we read on, we actually discover who Jacob is really wrestling with, and it's actually God. It is actually God who he's wrestling with. And we know this because after, the, after this like, wrestling is like done, Jacob names the place Peniel, Peniel, and that means face of God. And he says like later in a, a later verse, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. So Jacob is wrestling with God in the night. And this physical wrestle that he's doing with God is, is like a reflection of the, the inner wrestle with God that he's having, right? This physical wrestle is a representation of the inner fight and the inner wrestle of the relationship, demonstrates the relationship that Jacob has towards God, right? Like allowing, actually allowing God to have control and to actually trust him and to let go of doing things himself. And I think for a lot of us, that can sound familiar, wrestling with God. Because when you think about it, and when you actually read into it, which I encourage you to do, it's a fascinating like story, the life of Jacob. But when you read through his life, you, you kind of realize that there was never really a time where Jacob fully put his trust in God or allowed God to take control within his life unless he had made a mistake and he was in trouble. Right, he had for his entire life he had twisted and manipulated and deceived his way to becoming the dominant one, to becoming the, the number one, the, the, the dominant one wherever he was. And so this wrestling between God and Jacob was very symbolic of the wrestling that took place in their like in Jacob's relationship with God. Right? And and God doesn't rebuke him for it. Right, well, as they're wrestling through the struggles and, and, the, and the things that are going on between Jacob and God, God doesn't actually rebuke Jacob for wrestling with him. God, God actually embraces that. And it's actually funny because God was the one who, when you read about it, started it, which is weird. But I think it's because God actually kind of likes it when we go to Him and wrestle with Him, through, through, whether that's through doubts, through fears, through uncertainties, rather than trying to take it on ourselves, God embraces the fact that we go to Him in prayer, we go to Him in spending time with Him and actually wrestle with Him because it's only in the wrestling 
that we discover who God really is. It's only in the wrestling that we really discover how God sees us, who he thinks of us. And that's what happened in the life of Jacob. Because there's something, something really, really like interesting stands out to me during this passage. And it's actually not the wrestling. And so for, for the rest of this message, I don't really want to focus on the, the physical act of the wrestling, but it's actually more part of the conversation that took place between Jacob and God in that. So that's what I want to spend the rest of this morning on. And so we read that in verses 25 to 26, and it says this, When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of, out of its socket. Then, then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is the most important part. What is your name? The man asked. And he replied, Jacob. And it's this question that I want to look at for a moment. What is your name? Why is that so important? Why is that such a significant part of this story? Well, see, for his entire life, Jacob lived with a name that, you know, obviously he was used to identify with, but it's not just the name Jacob, it's actually the meaning behind his name, and that is deceiver. Jacob's name literally means deceiver, specifically one who grasps the heel of another, because when he was born, he was holding onto his brother's heel, and so they named him Jacob, deceiver. Right? And so there's a lot of significance with that. And you may be thinking like, well, my name is Jacob as well. What's the difference? Like, I don't think of myself as a deceiver, but there, there, is, a, there is a bit of a difference in, in cultures. And that's this. So n- nowadays, like obviously names are used as a way of identifying one another. That's a similar in modern day compared to ancient culture. But nowadays, the names are, are kind of like just a name. Like parents never pick a name to name their son or their daughter based on the meaning sometimes, but generally it's not because of that. It's because they like the name. And so whenever you, in, like, you know, in our culture, in our day and age, whenever you hear the name of someone, for example, if you hear the name Jacob, you're either going to think of me, the tall guy with curly hair, or you're going to think of um, Jacob Dawson, the amazing guy who does Leads the Friday Kids, or maybe like you're thinking of another guy with curly hair, but it's blonde, and that's Jacob Brigandi. So you generally like think of the person, Right? Whenever you hear someone's name, you, you think of the person. But in the ancient culture where, you know, where this, 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 uh, you know, this story takes place, where this is set, names had a much greater significance, way greater significance, because their name wasn't just a name. It's, they were known for not just the name, but for the definition of their name. Right? And so Jacob wasn't called Jacob because his parents liked that name. He was called Jacob because it meant deceiver, one who grasps another heel. So for Jacob, whenever someone said his name, he wasn't just hearing Jacob, he was hearing deceiver, right? It's like growing up, if my parents kept on, you know, calling me deceiver. So whenever I would hear Jacob, it's not like, hey, Jacob, how's your day? It would be, hey, deceiver, how's your day going? Like, hey, hey, deceiver, after you, like, finish, finish dinner, can you please, like, be a dear and just, like, make sure you do the dishes with your sister? Like, hey, deceiver, I heard you weren't really feeling well. Like, what's up? Can I do anything to help you? Right, so for Jacob, this word, his name was spoken over him time and time and time and time again. Deceiver, 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 deceiver. And words have power, right? The Bible says that in there is power in, you know, the power of life and death in the tongue. So as Jacob keeps on hearing this word deceiver, hearing this thing as a way of identifying him and like labeling him deceiver, 
his actions started to follow suit. His actions started to follow suit. And I don't know if you may be thinking, well, Jacob, I'm not really following or believing you at this stage, but I want to look at some names in the Bible of people who were called something and then they were later known for. Right, so let's start with someone in the life of Jacob, Rachel. Right, Rachel. Rachel's name, what does it mean? Rachel's, Rachel's name was you, as in a female sheep, right? And how was she introduced to us in the story? She was actually introduced to us as a shepherd. So right as a baby, she was, her name meant sheep, you, female sheep, but then later she became a shepherd. Next one, Moses. What does Moses mean? Well, the, Moses' name means to lift out. But what was Moses known for? Lifting through, like God used him to lift an entire nation out of slavery. Right? Action followed the name. Solomon, what does his name mean? Peace. What happened during Solomon's reign, during King Solomon's reign? There was peace in the entire land. You can read about it. There was no wars. There was no, no one had really any need. There was no poor. Everyone had everything that they need. There was peace through his reign. And lastly, Jesus. Jesus, his name means Yahweh is salvation. What was Jesus, what did he do? He became God in flesh and died on the cross for our salvation. Names are important. Names have significance to them. And especially in the ancient culture, this was a huge thing. And so Jacob is known for being a liar and a deceiver. Right? His life is filled with deception and manipulation and disguise. So why is, the, why is, the, why is that, that important? Because it kept on being spoken over him. It's because he kept on having that name spoken over him, and so his actions started to follow suit. And I just got this little, this is a little side word, but I just felt this as I was like preparing for this morning. Like parents, we, we love you, we honor you, and we just thank you so much for everything that you do for our children within, like in your family and within this congregation. But parents, or really anyone, like young people who are discipling other, other young people, like young adults discipling young people, please be careful over the words that you speak over your children. Please be careful over the words that you speak over your children because words have so much power to them. Like the words that you speak over your kids have, has a much greater influence over them than what you may think. Right? And, and I know that there, like, there's times that where correction is needed and discipline is needed. That is a very important thing. But when that time comes, especially in those times, please choose your words carefully. Because we want like our children and our, our young people to be growing up feeling encouraged and you know, ha- you being, having words spoken o- over them that will actually build them up and correct them in a godly and, and biblical way rather than actually tearing them down and snapping and losing. And I know, you know, I'm not a parent, like, I can't fully relate with you, but I do have like very young siblings. So I've seen how my dad and his wife has had to you know, raise them. And I know it's a very difficult thing, but I just want to encourage any parents in the room or any young adults or any adults like discipling young people Please be careful over the words that you speak over them, because there is a lot of power in that. But going back to, back to Jacob, right? why is that question so important? Why is that name, what is your name, important? And I mean, it's God asking. We've got to remember, this is God asking him this question. So he should know, right? Like, he should know, like, what his name is. And the thing is, he does, but he actually wants Jacob to acknowledge that. He wants Jacob to acknowledge that. Why? Because he had actually been in this position before. Jacob had been in this exact same position before, and that was 20 years ago. Tw- about 20 years ago, he had been in the exact same position 
where he was asked the same question by someone who had a greater level of power, a greater level of authority over him, and that was his father Isaac. When he was with his father Isaac. But all those years ago, when he was asked by his father the exact same question, who are you? Like, what is your name? Because he was blind and he couldn't actually see. So he asked him, who are you? Jacob instead lied and deceived and pretended to be someone he was not because he believed he wasn't worthy of receiving the blessing of the Father. He, he, he didn't actually want to, you know, say exactly who he is, so he pretended to be someone else, right? He lied, he deceived, he pretended to be someone else so that he could be blessed. And it can be easy to sit here and think, well, yeah, Jacob was a real jerk. Why, why does he have to feel like he has to pretend to be someone he's not just so he could, you know, get approval and a blessing from his father? But like, if we're being honest, like we do the exact same thing nowadays. It may not be the, the blessing of a father like it was for Jacob, but it may be other blessings. You know, it may be the blessing of admiration, carefully crafting and choosing what we post on our social media so that we can get likes and we can feel loved. It could be taking credit or praise for something that we didn't do or an idea that we didn't come up with so that we can feel admired. Maybe it's the blessing of acceptance you know, from all the stories that we tell where we leave out the, the bad parts that make us look bad and instead highlight those parts that make us look good so that we can feel admired by those around us. It could be you know, that we, just like Jacob, pretend to be someone else so that we can feel accepted, so that we can feel loved and fit in by, with those around us. Right? We do the same, we can do the same thing. And so for Jacob, being in this position again, and he was asked, who are you? What is your name? In, instead of pretending to be someone else, Jacob actually admits who he really is. And he says, Jacob. Uh, I'm Jacob. I'm a deceiver. Uh, I'm a liar. I'm a, a manipulator. And this is a very big moment and a significant moment for Jacob in his life because this is potentially the first time from what we understand where Jacob actually comes before someone exactly who he is and actually admits who he is, presents himself for who he is, the real him. And so you could expect that as he says this to God and as he is actually admitting before God, I'm Jacob, I'm a liar, I'm a deceiver, I'm a manipulator, I'm broken, and I've done like, you know, I've tricked people, I've, I've like robbed my father, I've like stole from my brother, my uncle. So you can expect God to come down in judgment for him, in condemnation for him. But instead, God says in verse 28, and I love this verse, if we could have that up, please. Verse 28, this is what God says after Jacob admits who he is. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Then it goes on to say, then he blessed Jacob there. Then he blessed Jacob there. What? That doesn't make any sense, right? That makes no sense. He just admitted that he was a deceiver. He just admitted that he deceived his father, his brother, his uncle. Why would he get blessed from God after admitting that? He lied all the time. He deceived every opportunity that he, he, he could. 
He, he, just, he twisted and worked his way into situations where he was not entitled to. He should not have been entitled to be in. Right? He pretended to be someone else to get a blessing he was not entitled to. Right? But he didn't deserve to get blessed by God. Jacob did not deserve to be blessed by God. Right? No one ever pleads guilty to something and then the judge, the one of high power and high authority, turns around and blesses them. No, the judge usually sets a punishment. The judge usually sets some sort of consequence for the actions of the one who just admitted that they were guilty. And so it doesn't make sense that that God actually turns around and then blesses Jacob, gives him a new name, a new start, and actually blesses him for after admitting what he, what he is, who he is. Right, but and we read that and we think like, you know, it just doesn't make sense because culture, earthly culture teaches us you get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. And to us, that makes sense. To us, it makes sense. You get what you deserve. But the gospel teaches the opposite. The gospel of Jesus teaches the opposite. And instead of judgment, he gives us grace. Instead of punishment, he pours his love out for us. And so it, it doesn't make sense and we don't deserve it, but God does that anyway because it's his love for us and it's his grace for us that he does it. Yet we, we tend to convince ourselves that we are still not worthy of receiving this from God. Even though he pours that out on us and that he's offering that to us, we still tend to believe and tend to convince ourselves that we have no right to receive from God because our works our history, our heritage, whatever it may be, that those things aren't good enough, that they don't add up. But no matter what works we do, no matter what, how, how much good things we do, how many good things we do, it will never be enough. We, 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 we will never be able to deserve God's grace. Right? The truth is that none of us actually deserve it. See, in Romans 3, verse 23 to 24, it says, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of his glorious standard. See, none of us deserve the love of God. None of us deserve what God offers us. But then I love what it says in verse 24, the next verse. It says, yet God, who's thankful for a yet, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. See, none of us deserve to receive the blessing that God gives us, but He does it anyway. None of us deserve the love that God pours out for us, but He does it anyway. Why? Because and only through Jesus Christ, the one who came down and offered to Himself up as a sacrifice on the cross, poured out His blood for us and covered our mistakes, covered our sin, covered our shame, that we get to actually offer that. That that makes us righteous to receive the blessing of the Father. See, church, we need to embrace grace. We, we need to embrace the grace of Jesus, to hold on to Him and to not let go. Just like Jacob held on to God and said, no, I'm holding on to you. I'm not letting you go until I receive what you have to give me. We need to embrace the grace that God has for us and come before Him as we are, not pretending to be someone else, just as we are. Because God can't bless who you pretend to be. He can only bless who you really are. See, Jacob pretended to be his older brother. 
right? The one who was entitled to the blessing of the Father, the one who deserved to receive that. But as he was wrestling with God and was asked, what is your name? He stopped pretending to be someone he was not and just admitted who he really was. And the crazy part is that God knew that, right? God knew who he was, but he just wanted Jacob to actually say, I am broken. I am deceiver. I I am a manipulator. I'm not worthy. So when, when Jesus asks us the same thing, when God asks us the same thing, who are you? Rather than be pretending to be someone we're not, rather pretending to, to be someone who we think is worthy of receiving from God, we can just come before Him and actually just admit who we are, that I, I am a liar, the deceiver, addict, manipulator, anxious, angry, prideful, whatever it may be. But when we admit to God, the real us, God takes off the labels that we have on ourselves. God takes off the identity that we may be feeling like that has been put upon us or that we've placed upon us. And He instead gives us a new identity. You are no longer called Jacob. You will be called Israel. My son, my daughter, that's our origin story. That's our origin story. That is why we were created. God didn't create us to be in a relationship with someone who we are pretending to be. He made us so that He could be in a relationship with us, the real us, the broken us, the liar us, the deceiver us, the manipulator us, the real us. So we don't have to be afraid to come before God showing the real us because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus did. If we could all just stand, we're about to... We're about to go back into a time of worship. But I just want to read why we can. Why we can be so bold into coming into the presence of God despite being broken, despite not having it all together. And that's this in Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16. It says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Hear that, church. He understands your weaknesses. For he faced the same temptings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Embrace grace. Embrace the grace of God. So we can come to God as we are because of Jesus. Church, we don't have to come to God thinking that we need to have it all together, thinking that there's things that we've got to do, there's clothes that we've got to put on, there's things that we've got to put on to try and pretend to be someone who we are not. We can come before God exactly as we are, all because of Jesus. Without condemnation, with no judgment, with no shame, we can come to God as we are. So we can, can we come before Him as we are this morning, church? Is that okay if we come before Him with the real us, not the fake us, not the us that is trying to pretend to be someone else, but the real us? We don't have to think that we have to be someone else to receive the blessing and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father, because Jesus went first. Yet God, through His grace, shows that to us anyway, because that's all God wants for us, is for us to come before Him and say, God, here I am. And he responds by saying, my son, my daughter, here you are. Come to me. You don't have to cover yourselves up. 
You don't have to pretend to be someone else. Come to me. Come before me as you are. Come to me as you are because God loves us for who we are. God loves you for who you are. If we can all close our eyes, just in the room. And I just want to just ask if there is anyone, I just feel like there are some people here this morning who have walked into this place maybe thinking, I'm not, I'm not deserving of the love of God. I'm not deserving of what God wants to speak to me, of what He wants to say to me, the, the, the blessings of the Father. But I just want to pray for anyone in this room this morning who, who feels that, who believes that lie. I just want to pray that God would just reveal a new light and a new new way of His love to you this morning. So if that's you and you're just like, man, I, I don't feel like I'm enough for God, but I, I, I want to understand that God loves me anyway. I just want you to just make a response of somehow, whatever that is, and maybe raising your hands and maybe just positioning yourself in a way that just says, God, here I am. So if that's you, why don't you just raise your hand or make a response and I'm just going to pray then we're going to go back into a time of worship awesome 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 why don't you pray with me church God we just thank you so much that you are a God of grace that you are a heavenly father full of compassion Jesus and that when you made us you didn't make us to to be someone who we are not but you made us as we are, and that despite our flaws, despite our mistake, despite the things that we think are not good enough to come into your presence with, that you love us anyway, that you have given us a new identity, that you have given us a new name and a new sense of love and purpose, God. So I just pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning, God, that if there's anyone here this morning in the room or anyone watching online who believes that lie that I'm not good enough, for what God has to offer me. God, we just pray, would you just pour out your love upon them in a fresh and new way, Jesus. Pour out your grace upon us in a fresh and new way, God. Renew our minds to understand that we can never be enough to come into your presence. We can never be enough to receive the blessing and the blessings and the goodness from you, yet you love us and pour it out on us anyway. So Jesus, we are here this morning to receive from you. We are here this morning to listen and to receive what you have from us. So God, Holy Spirit, speak to us right now. We just thank you, Jesus, for the goodness, how good you are, how much you love us, and for the grace and forgiveness that you pour out to us. Thank you, Jesus. Speak to us now. In Jesus' name. Let's worship this morning, church. Thank you for tuning into our online service today. But hey, if you got something out of that message, we would love to hear from you. So why don't you head over to life.house and find the My Response section and tell us all about it. And as well as that, we know it was good tuning in online, but what's even better is being here in the house. So we run our services every Sunday at 10 a.m. So we would love to see you here, to hear how your week's been and to fellowship with you. But I hope you have a blessed week. Uh, and I'll see you around.